My name's Randy, one of the pastors. Glad to be uh, with you guys. And uh, for the last few weeks, we have been going over what uh, a new series that I'm calling Relational Fitness. And uh, we've seen on numerous occasions how in the Great Commandments and the Great Commission, Jesus identified our purpose in life as relational, um, that we uh, exist for the purpose of loving God and loving others. But uh, there's a challenge with that, and the challenge is is that people in our society, many of us even, are experiencing an awful lot of relational pain and brokenness, and we're having a challenge at fulfilling that relational purpose. Anybody familiar with uh, any challenges in that arena at all out there? Just me, huh, and my family. Okay, well, listen up, family. <coughs> okay. But we'd have a very big family. God has provided a means for us to experience healthy relationships through the uh, birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God has provided the tools that we need for healthy relationships, for fulfilling this relational purpose. And our job is to learn to cooperate with him, to partner with him, learning to see people as he sees them and to love others as he loves them. Last week we looked at the topic of emotionality and began to talk about uh, what we call emotional responding. Now all of us know all about emotional responding. Uh, we do that really, really well. Somebody gets mad at us and we get mad at them. That's, that's emotional responding. You know, somebody cuts you off uh, when you're driving down the road and, and you speed up and s- sit on their bumper. You know, that's emotional responding. But the challenge is, is that isn't always the most helpful emotional responding. And so we're beginning a process of trying to learn uh, appropriate emotional responding in ways that will bring greater life and will help us, in fact, to fulfill Uh, the Great Commission and Great Commandments. So one of the challenges that we face in this arena of emotionality, we said, was that many of us have fairly limited emotional vocabulary. Uh, People, you know, you ask the question, how are you doing? Okay. You know, that's just, that's that's the standard emotional response. How are you doing? Okay. Now, for some of us, okay is about a seven, and some of us, okay is about a three, and so we really don't know until you say, okay, so give me on a scale of zero to ten, well, how is that? And, uh, you know, for me, an okay is about a three. So if you ever hear that from me, if I'm doing okay, I'm not doing well. See, I'm not lying to you, I'm just, that's where okay is. Good is somewhere around a five. I'm doing great, it's probably seven for me. Uh, super duper, you know, off the charts is, you know, 9.862 or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, we need to learn some language for emotionality so that others can know us and so that we can know others. So there's a suggestion that there's probably anywhere from, you know, 300 emotions on up. I've got 42 up here on the screen. We looked at these last times. They all come with a face on them because all emotions have a face. My wife always is telling me I wipe that face off my look or like that look off my face or so. I don't know what it is. But anyway, so we've got a variety of kinds of things up there. And, and just kind of for an exercise here, if you were going to kind of pick one for you right now this afternoon, this is kind of a little test, okay? You know, pick one of those. I know there's only 42. We've got another 258 that aren't up here. But if you had to pick one, 
pick one of those right now. Let's let's turn these stage lights down just a smidgen, if we could. I don't think we need them to see me. Okay, anybody willing to share? Matt. Matt's feeling loved. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Somebody else. Camille, your hand is sort of scratching up there. Anxious. I'm sorry. Okay, somebody else? Got one here? Hopeful. I like hopeful. That's cool. Happy. Glenn. Vulnerable. Somebody sit next to him, would you? I don't want him to get hurt. Okay. Anyway, learning emotional vocabulary can help us in this arena of emotionality. Another challenge we face in the arena of emotionality is that in Western cultures, very familiar with this, emotions are minimized or criticized. But to minimize or criticize emotions and emotionality is to minimize or criticize a very important part of who God has created us to be as being created in his image. God has emotions we saw last week. God himself is emotional. He's created us in his image, and that includes emotionality. So emotionality, I proposed last week, is normal and a necessary part of being human and of human relationships. And it's going to be important for relational fitness to begin to understand emotional fitness. So we're spending a little bit of time on that, and then we'll be getting more and more on to relational. I also introduced the topic of emotional responding last week. When someone expresses emotion, the only proper initial response, I said, is to respond emotionally. Emotional expression demands an emotional response. But because we're untrained in emotional responding or appropriate emotional responding, we often use, I suggested, ineffective substitutes, things like logic and reasoning, criticism, complaints, or neglect. And all of these always miss the mark when somebody has expressed something emotionally. It misses the mark and leaves them feeling empty, hurt, and alone. So this afternoon, I'd like to talk a bit more about emotional responding, but before we go there, let's pray. God, we just uh, do welcome you. We thank you that you have uh, already been here hanging out, waiting for us. Uh, that you have been expressing emotion towards us today, love, uh, kindness, uh, generosity. And we thank you uh, for uh, those incredible uh, ways that you express your love to us. Thank you that you're helping us even in uh, songs that we sing and uh, in our times of study with you, Lord, we're learning to respond to you in ways that uh, minister to you and meet needs in your life for uh, love and care as well. Father, then uh, with our family members um, and even friends, co-workers, Lord, our world is in a a relational nightmare uh, these days. There is such instability. There is such amount of pain and challenge. Lord, starting in the family and then on out. And I welcome you to help us as uh, your kids, uh, as as your sons and daughters uh, who have been filled with your Holy Spirit, who are being equipped Uh, with the tools of the principles of your word, uh, that we would become those who win in this area. Father, as we uh, look at these uh, various topics again and just continue, Lord, I just ask, even as uh, one person said last last week, Lord, help us to get this. And um, so often we just, uh, we miss the mark in one another's lives, and it doesn't take a lot, but maybe some thoughtfulness about how we respond. Come Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for our guests that are here as well, that they uh, truly would uh, find and meet you here today. 
in Jesus' name. A critical requirement for proper emotional responding is the development of something we call in our culture empathy. Empathy. Who could give me a definition? Don't put it up there yet, Marissa. I have one, but just kind of interactive. Empathy. What is it? Matt. Okay, sympathize emotionally. Okay, Mariana. I feel your pain. It, 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 it's, um, it's entering into their life. Empathy is the ability to discern emotions in others. Kind of part one. The ability to discern emotions in others. And, and honestly, many of us are oblivious to the emotions of others. We just, you know, ride on through the day. Um, but then there's a second part, and that is to experience that same emotion within ourselves. Um, this week I was uh, with a, a close friend, and uh, he was experiencing some, some pain uh, and some challenge this week. And uh, I was moved uh, with compassion and, and began to weep. In fact, we were on the phone together when he was sharing this with me and I began to, to cry and he knew he could tell I mean I wasn't sobbing Wah! you know I was, I was just I got quiet and I don't know what I sounded like but I mean I started to cry and he knew that and it, later in the conversation we touched back to that spot and he had felt care he had felt somebody was empathizing with him so empathy is a key element of emotional responding not only discerning, hey, look, you're having some emotions right now, but entering into those emotions. So this is kind of where we're going to go for the rest of our time this morning. And empathy enables us to get inside another person's frame of reference to see or feel the world as they see or feel it. And to allow God to move us in our spirit to enter into it with him. Example, story, some of you have been around for a long time, will have remembered this story. Little girl was late returning home from school. Mother was a little bit upset. Where have you been? Little girl replied, well, Mommy, on my way home, I met a friend who was crying because she had broken her doll. Oh, said the mother. Then you stopped to help her fix the doll? Oh, no, replied the little girl. I stopped to help her cry. That's empathy. Empathy requires us to consider the needs of another above our own. To develop empathy, we must learn to listen and observe. Again, that first element is discerning. And we need to begin to watch things, yes, words, but also sounds and body language. I don't know what the statistic is, but it's something like, you know, when we're communicating that 60 or 70 or 80 percent, I don't know what the statistic is, is body language. Our words are, are minimal. They're s the smallest part. So not only do we need to become good listeners with our ears to hear words, but we need to become li good listeners with our eyes. And so it's a little challenging when you're sitting at the table in the morning reading your newspaper and your son or daughter or spouse comes in and starts talking to you and you're going, uh-huh, 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 you know, behind your newspaper or your book or sitting in front of the TV, whatever it could be, because we're missing the opportunity to hear or see what they're really saying. And that, that's uh, important. Although people may not be adept at articulating how they're feeling, we can usually, if we'll become observant, begin to identify their feelings by listening with our ears, eyes, and our heart even as an additional element. Okay, exercise. First exercise. Again, through this series, we're going to do clinic. I'm going to have you turn to somebody near you. I'm going to do that this whole way through because it's relational fitness. Right? Relational fitness. So this is not 
a, a series where I'm helping you to cultivate your individuality. I, I'm helping to cultivate your relational equippedness, if there is such a word. Okay, in your program, you're going to find what is called our Vine Notes. Would hope that you would take them out. And there is a spot there for you to write down a time when someone expressed genuine empathy to you. A time when someone expressed genuine empathy to you. Do that right now. Okay, then if you would, turn to a person near you and share with you that story. Share with them and allow them to share with you uh, the story that they experienced. Okay, turn to somebody near you and share. Now, I gave you guys homework last week, and part of this exercise is connecting with that homework, and that was one of the things I asked you to do was to pay attention to your own emotions and the emotionality of others around you. That will, be, that will help you to begin to remember and trigger and experience more in this realm. But I would, I would imagine that it was probably hard for many of you to identify or remember a time though I suspect that it's probably been, been offered for, for all of us at some point or another. Somebody want to share uh, a time when they were especially touched or helped by somebody expressing empathy? Go ahead. Stand up and just speak loudly if you would. Yes, go for it. You know what? I'm going to come with the mic. You are just so wonderfully soft-spoken. Uh, Jordan wanted me to share this with everyone. You can thank him. Um, on Friday, this is something simple, but on Friday I had, Stephen had left for a trip, and I was alone with the kids, and I was trying to get things together to go, and I had lost a case for this video I needed to return. And it was due that day, and I was angry. I'm, like, looking for it, frustrated for probably an hour. Like, And every time Darcy's like, you want to dance with me? She's in her room dancing. I'm like, no, we're going to find this case. And I'm guessing she's the one who lost it, you know. So I'm just like, Arr! and uh, so I finally find it after an hour of looking, and uh, yeah. And uh, anyway, I go in her room, and I'm like, uh, I found the case, Tarsi, and she's like, Yay, mommy, you found the case! 
And it was the first time she, like, I really felt like she understood, like, what I had gone through. And I don't know, it gave me so much joy. I'm like, yay. And so we just, like, jump up and down with each other. And it was, it was fun, so. How old is Darcy? Three next week, so that's fun. That is cool. Okay, that was fun. All right. Um, when we vulnerably share our emotions, what we need is an empathetic emotional response in return. And it's important that that emotional response parallels what the person being responded to is shared. So using uh, Melissa's example here, she was excited, happy. Darcy was happy all the way along, but now that finally mom was happy, then she was happy too, and everybody's happy together. So the emotional response matched the emotion of the per- other person. I want to talk for a mo- moment uh, about where, it can, where we can have conflict with this. Whenever we talk, uh, we can speak from our head in the arena of logic, reasoning, and facts, or we can speak from our heart, such as feelings and emotions. When somebody speaks from their head, it is appropriate to respond with a head response. Dwayne says, it sure is hot outside. That's a head statement. He's not saying anything about what he thinks of the heat. He's not saying what, how he's feeling. He's just saying, wow, it's hot outside. His friend Tom says, yeah, it's hot. It's probably going to be hotter tomorrow. You know, just a head response, just information. We do that pretty well, most of us, most of the time. So a head-to-a-head response is appropriate. It's okay. But when someone speaks from their heart, we need to respond with a heart response. Dwayne says, it's so hot outside, I had to stand waiting for the bus for a long time. I was so hot and frustrated. That's a heart statement. He's giving a little bit of head information, but I mean primarily He's saying what's happened, what was happening to him and what he's feeling. Tom says, hey, man, I'm sorry you had to wait so long in the heat. That must have been really annoying waiting so long. There's a heart statement. He's, he's touching at that emotional realm. So, again, heart, head-to-head is okay. Heart-to-heart is okay. Now, when someone speaks from their head and we respond with a heart response, it will probably sound inappropriate. Listen to this. Dwayne says, it sure is hot outside. Tom says, oh, I'm sorry. Are you all right? That was an emotional heart response. And Dwayne is not talking about his heart. He's talking about how hot it is outside. Okay. When someone speaks from their heart and we respond with a head response, it can seem uncaring or callous. Dwayne says, it's so hot outside, I I had to stand waiting for the bus for a long time. I was hot and frustrated. That's a heart statement. Tom says, yeah, it's hot. It's probably going to be hotter tomorrow. Okay? So you get it here? So, I mean, head-to-head is okay. Heart-to-heart is good. But head-to-heart misses and heart-to-head misses. So, just, I'm not going to have you turn to the person, but just for you to think, reflect, I want you to begin to Pay attention to your emotionality. As a part of relational fitness, that's going to be a key. So just for a moment, think through this past week and think of a time, if you can remember, when someone spoke to you from their heart. They weren't really necessarily trying to communicate facts or statistics. They were simply expressing something from their heart or emotions. Can you, can you imagine, can you remember back to a time this week when that happened and what was your response? How would you do?
again, not going to, just want you to think about that. Just kind of interact. I want you to begin to think and remember and interact. So we need to begin to do that. Think and remember and reflect. Are people speaking to us from their hearts? Sometimes it's mixed messages. I mean, honestly, you know, it's hot outside. I'm so hot and frustrated. That's a mix. There's some information there. But when it's a heart heart statement, primarily that's probably where the person's at. They're really not trying to communicate facts and information in that kind of a setting. So those are just uh, some tips. Empathy is synonymous with what some social scientists have uh, called attunement. Attunement. Rick and I were talking about this morning. That's what the band does up here. You know, they, they do a little bit of time of attunement. Um, in 1987, Daniel Stern, a psychiatrist at Cornell University, coined the word attunement to describe the process whereby we emotionally connect with another person. So when you emotionally connect with another person, you're in attunement. Okay, that's what we're looking for. That is, that is the, uh, the fancy... Uh, uh, social scientist word. Okay. His work primarily focused on the emotional development of children, and he noticed that when a baby squeals in delight, that it's important for a parent to respond to that emotional expression by either gently touching the, the baby, cooing, or maybe even matching the baby's pitch. So the baby's going, and you respond back, I, I've done this naturally with my kids all their life. I still do it. You know, I, I was doing it up here with the band this morning. I, I've got this automatic attunement thing that I do. Anyway, but it's helpful. We, we need that. All of us do. They're talking about his research, of course, in the area of children and babies, but we all need that. This gives the baby a reassuring sense of being emotionally connected, that their emotions are okay and that someone understands them. Can you imagine that? out of that kind of a situation? All right. Well, another example of attunement would be if when a child falls down and they're crying, their parent responds with sadness and gives the child comfort. Does that make sense? So that would be the child is upset, they're hurt, and they're looking for, again, that uh, emotional connection that what they're expressing is okay. However, attunement does not occur when a child expresses a particular type of emotion, whether it be positive or painful, but receives an emotional response that is opposite from what they're feeling. If a child paints a picture and expresses delight and happiness, but the parent responds with anger and frustration because the child colored on the table, uh, the child receives usually a contradictory signal. Johnny, what are you doing? And they're all like, look, Mom, look what I did. Look at the table. This crazy. And, you know, and they get yelled at. That confuses them. They're all right. Okay. So what we need to do is respond first to the emotion and then allow training to come following that. Likewise, if a child cries but their parent responds nonchalantly, the child may be emotionally confused. Or, again, as is typical in uh, many situations, stop crying, you bum. You know, you, don't be a wimp. Right? We say to our kids, so they're having this emotion of hurt, distress, and we're telling them, knock it off. Doesn't that really train them really well to, you know, to uh, uh, identify their emotions and to share them with others? So that's what we're talking about here. Emotional attunement is to rejoice with others in their joy, to mourn with them in their sadnesses. There's three really important advantages of attunement. Firstly, I feel someone cares for me. 
that they're willing to enter into my emotional world. Secondly, I feel that someone understands me. And thirdly, I feel that it's okay to be emotional, express emotions. My emotions are legitimate. All of us, child, teen, adult, elderly, we need this kind of response and involvement in our lives for health. Right, Juan? Yes, okay. We have a psychiatrist in, in, the, in the ranks here. All right. Likewise, there are three corollary disadvantages of disattunement. I feel that no one cares for me. I'm emotionally alone. I feel that no one understands me. And eventually, I'll become reluctant to express my emotions and may even begin to doubt the legitimacy of my emotions. And I'm confident that, that all of us have had that kind of training. Our society does not train and equip us to respond well and appropriately in the area and arena of emotions. We are emotionally uh, uneducated. We know how to be angry. We get taught that one real early on. That one's, you know, everybody knows how to be angry. But to emotionally respond with appropriate responses is not something we need and it, uh, need, that we've learned how to do. So for emotional health, we need to experience emotional connection with other people. In other words, in order to experience emotional health, we're going to need relational health. All right, earlier I said that it suggested that there's over 300 different emotions and that whenever someone expresses an emotion, uh, we need to respond with an appropriate or correct emotional response. So maybe, you know, you do the math and you thought, this is going to be a little tough. All right, there's 300 emotions and I have to respond appropriately to all 300 emotions. I don't think so. However, I think we can uh, explore the possibility that while there are 300 plus emotions, that perhaps they can all be placed into just two categories. Hundreds of emotions, perhaps thousands of various shades and combinations, but I would suggest that all emotions express either positive or negative feelings. What do you think about that? Does that feel kind of right? Let's try it out. Uh, on the screen, I'm going to identify a, an emotion, and uh, I want you to tell me if it's uh, a positive or a negative emotion. Lonely. That's a negative, okay? Let's put that in the negative box. Look at that. Wow. All right. Happy. Good job, Marissa. really appreciate your help back there. Happy. Where's happy go? Positive. Okay, don't beat it. Slow down, Marissa. We've got we to get the answers out over here. Okay. Apprehensive. Positive or negative? Negative. All right. Put it in there. Hurt. Okay. Relieved. Positive. Satisfied. Positive. If it goes wrong, let me know. I'll have to talk to Marissa later. Humiliated. Negative. Refreshed. Okay, that's where it goes. All right. Confused. Negative. Encouraged. Positive. Affirmed. Irritable. Negative. Afraid. Grieved. Disappointed. Amused. Especially if you're amused at somebody else. <laughs> um, deceived. Loved. Positive. All right. The fact that all human emotions can be placed in one of these two categories is very, very significant. 
Because if all our emotions are either positive or negative, then our response can be simpler than having to understand 300 different responses. That the correct emotional response will simply be related to if it's negative or a positive emotion. If we can learn how to respond to these two general emotional states of positive emotions and negative emotions, then we'll be equipped to respond properly to any person expressing any emotion. Does that seem realistic? So that's a trick. That's what we're going to try and learn how to do. What, what are the appropriate, what can be an appropriate response to negative emotions and positive? I mean, some of this sounds, you know, you know I learned this, uh, I don't know where I learned it, but uh, yeah, I understand this. That's true. But we need to be much more alert and paying attention to those around us. Yesterday I was in a board meeting, and uh, I don't remember what in the world it was that I had shared, but something just in passing about hadn't slept, I don't know what it was, hadn't slept well the night before, or this, or, I don't know what it was. But it was, a, it was a feeling, kind of emotional thing. But it was in the middle of a board meeting. You know, we're doing with fed, hack, facts, and head knowledge, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and David just emotionally responds to me. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm not looking for emotional connection. I'm complaining, right? But David recognizes the value of emotional connection, and he offers an emotional response. And I was touched. I felt cared for by that, even though I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't paying any attention to the need for that. Uh, but he responded to that, and it brought care uh, into my heart. And so whether most people, it, it, when you go out this next week to work on this as homework, whether it be at work or wherever, if, if you're listening and paying attention to people and attempt to give them emotional response, they're, most of them are not going to be ready or prepared for it. They're not accustomed to it in life. And so um, it, it may be awkward initially. You know, they're just kind of rattling on. And, and what they need is comfort, someone to come alongside to, to offer a response to negative emotions or a response to positive. Now, interestingly enough, 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul told us what the appropriate response to positive and negative emotions is. Romans 12:15. Paul said, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The miracle of emotional attunement is that regardless of whether we're feeling good or bad, if someone enters into our emotional state, empathizes with us, then we will be blessed. So, positive emotions. Thank you. Positive emotions expressed plus rejoicing equals feeling blessed. But interestingly enough, the equation is still the same. Negative emotions or painful emotions expressed with mourning, we also feel blessed, connected, cared for, loved, valued, significant. Okay, practice. Okay, you're with a buddy, right? I've got four examples. I'm going to... Whoa, 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 don't... Okay, I'm going I'm to give you... No, no, back up. I don't want them to see it yet. I'm not ready. I've got to tell them what we're going to do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Exercise. I've got four examples, four stories I'm going to share with you. And I'd like one of you to share to the other person 
what the what you would say the appropriate emotional response uh, for that story. Okay, so I'm going to tell a story, and then you say. Okay, one of you do the first one, one of you, uh, the other one do the second one, the other one do the third one, and the other one do the fourth one. Okay, real complicated. Are you ready? Okay, you're at work. A coworker comes in late. They look haggard. Y'all know what haggard means? Disheveled. Y'all know what disheveled means? Sorry. You ask them if they're okay, and they say, no, not really. My daughter got really sick last night. We ended up spending most of the night at the emergency room. And you say... Appropriate emotional response. I know we all know how to get at them and say the wrong thing. See if any of you can figure out what the right thing is. Okay? Just say, okay, you're supposed to do this in your little huddles with another person here. <laughs> okay. You can give a scorecard to your uh, neighbor, your friend. You know, five, six, seven, minus ten. Okay, story number two. Your spouse comes home from work extremely happy. They kiss you and the kids. They even pet the dog. They ask if there's anything they can do to help with dinner. You're shocked, and before you think, you ask, are you okay? They beam from ear to ear and say, well, I got called into my boss's office today. I was really nervous. I didn't have a clue what he wanted. I even thought maybe I was going to get fired, but guess what? I was promoted to department head and got a $7,000 a year raise. You say? All right, where's Darcy? Yay, yippee, mommy! Okay. But pause. All right. Yeah, well, you know, it's made up. That's my house. I haven't seen that $7,000 raise yet, but that's all right. We'll get there someday. All right, number three. Number three, you bump into your friend in the hallway and you don't hurt them at school in the morning. And they look really angry because you hurt them. No, I'm kidding. And you say, uh, hi, how you doing? They practically blow up. When I went out to my car this morning, someone had keyed the whole left side of my car. I am so mad. You say... <laughs> Okay, what do you say? All right, anger. This is a little, this one's a little different, right? This person's angry. Do you match their anger? Uh, who's got, who wants to, who wants to do this one? Mommy did, uh, let's, so let's try somebody else other than mommy. Mommy's had lots of training with this. Somebody want to try? Somebody Ready? Come on, Juan, you can you, Juan, you got one? No, well, it's kind of in my work, but, um, what would you say? What would I say? Um, well, I, if something happened that to, I'd be like the, the same way. I'd be like, I can't believe that they did that. It's, it's horrible, you know. Did you, you know, who, who do you think it is? Did you, did you make any enemies? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now that that one little response, that's horrible. Is the emotional empathy that that's the that's the anger kind of touching there? 
um, you know, the person's really angry that we need to empathize. We need to enter into that is absolutely awful. I can't believe anybody did that to you that you're not. You know, I don't think that's a sin to respond that way. I think that person needs some kind of some. Yeah, that's terrible. Well, they need some kind of emotional response, even with anger. Does that make sense? Now, if it's inappropriate, let's go. All right, we'll go with uh, mommy now. What did, what did mommy say? <laughs> I said, wow, I can see that you're really upset about that. You, you must feel violated. That makes me really sad that happened to you. Okay, I don't think she's got enough anger in with that one myself, but I think it needs, but th- there's comfort. She's trying to calm them down. She's trying to, you know, sad. They're not sad. They are mad, and they need, I would advocate that they need, they need a little bit heightened. They might get to where, you, you know, if they can get calmed down, they probably need some sadness. They don't need fix. Well, let's see, you know what, I've got this, uh, this uh, body shop. A mom and pop one down by uh, 410 and, and Bandera. They do really good work. Yeah. Do you think your insurance is going to cover that? Okay, those are not the right answers. Okay, story number four. Your seventh grade daughter, and I know some of you don't have one, but you imagine. Okay, right, we're imagining. Seventh grade daughter comes home from school, goes straight to her room. You follow her and ask how she's doing. She says, I went to sit with my friends at lunch today, but there wasn't room for me because the new snobby girl was sitting where I usually sit. I ended up sitting alone for lunch. And you say to your daughter, share it with your partner. Rick, you're going to have to stay in for extra work after school today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Dad. Where's Mom? Okay. I think you better talk to your mom. Yeah. All right. All right. Is this making sense? Okay. I mean, again, it, it it sounds like yeah, like so what? But we don't do this. Just pay attention this week. Just just for fun. Share some feeling with people and see what they how they respond. They will not. They'll respond back with head. Fix and that kind of thing. That's going to be the norm. That's how we've been trained. I am trying to help us with the filling of the Holy Spirit, the principles of God's word, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those. Paul said it. It works. It's what we need, but it's not what we've learned. All right. Let me give you a few general principles on emotional expression and responding, just really quickly. Emotional expression and responding is a lifelong need. Although emotional expression and responding is critically important part of a child's emotional development, it's not only a childhood need that we outgrow. It's a lifelong need. When a young girl scores a soccer goal as a child, she needs someone to rejoice with her. Forty years later, when she closes the big deal at work, she still needs someone to rejoice with her. Secondly, emotional expression and responding must be experienced frequently. We need to connect emotionally with another person frequently every day if possible. Since our emotions get stirred up daily, it is extremely helpful to have an emotional time to debrief on a regular basis. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It can be on a cell phone call. You're driving home from work. You've got a close friend, and you'd give them a call. 
And I, I might, if we could be, if you could kind of hang with me on this one, I think this is one of the significant challenges that singles face. Now, marrieds face it too if they're not doing well at it. But at least they've got a designated hitter who's supposed to be doing it. But with singles, the challenge of they don't have that person to go home to. Some of you, you know, you may have a roommate, you may have a mom or something. But, but realistically, this issue of the frequency is, is huge for singles. And I would advocate that you, you need to find the way and the place to be able to share frequently, emotionally, and get that kind of feedback. Doesn't have to take long. Doesn't even have to be in person. Although, again, with language being, you know, only 10% words or 20 or whatever, and 80% everything else, it's probably best if it can be done in person. Join a community group. All right. Um, instead of asking your loved ones how was your day, looking for facts and information, um, head knowledge, ask how are you feeling about your day. That's a new one. How are you feeling about your day? Then after they've shared, respond to them with an appropriate emotional response. Any relationship can be enriched and strengthened as emotional sharing is deepened through emotional responding. Thirdly, emotional expression and responding cannot be experienced alone. God has given us both himself and others to properly process our emotions I do understand that man's best friend can be a support, but pouring your heart out to your dog just won't satisfy your deep emotional needs. Neither will listening to talk shows, talking to yourself, writing in your thoughts in a journal, or crying yourself to sleep. We need others. Emotional responding requires another person. God can enter that equation. You can write in a journal... And if you're trained through Kathy's class, you'll be able to experience God speaking back to you in your journal by writing down God's promptings that he brings to you. So, but, and, and, and even with that, writing it down helps clarify, but then an opportunity to share what you wrote in your journal with another person can bring the healing and the connection that we need. Number four. Emotional expression and responding can be accomplished both individually and in groups. While emotional responding is often done one-on-one, a deep sense of care is felt when a small group together emotionally responds to us. An entire family can celebrate with a little brother because he made the team. A church family can mourn with a young couple over the miscarriage of a baby. A community group can gather around a troubled member, pray, and give encouraging words. These can become precious and profound times of love and care. And I've experienced them on dozens and dozens of occasions. In my family, I've experienced it with friends. I've experienced it in my board. I've experienced it in my community group. uh, And I've experienced it one-on-one with many of you. Number five, we should anticipate times when emotional expression and responding will be needed in our family members and friends' lives and be ready to extend care to them. In addition to the fact that emotional responding is usually needed on a daily basis, we all experience emotionally charged or stressful or difficult times when our feelings are running very, very high. Times when we're especially vulnerable. Times when emotional responding is very much needed. give you a few examples. A child is approaching a new school year. School's starting up in a couple weeks. 
next week, week from Monday. New friends, uh, perhaps, at school. New activities they're facing. That's a distressing time. They need emotional responding. They need somebody to respond after school. Not how was your day. How are you feeling about your day? Days before major surgery, significant meetings, important events. The first days after a major life change, such as a new job, new marriage, or move to a new city. When a dating couple breaks up. Before and after someone participates in an important athletic event, musical concert, getting married, other major events. Before and after an employee review, or a major presentation, or a significant test. After the birth or death of a loved one. There are times that are sort of like automatics when people need us to come alongside, to just sort of be ready that those things are happening (coughs) and need that support. So relative to principles for emotional responding, not only do we need to learn to listen, but we also need to think through the fact that others might be needing this. As we anticipate these times in the lives of our loved ones, we can be particularly sensitive to being available Asking the right questions, spending time to deal properly with their emotions, to respond in these stressful times of joy and pain. All right, I have a meditation exercise from the scriptures. Yes, Claire would like to, uh, Mommy would like to talk. You know, um, uh, my personality is one that likes to fix things, so I really have struggled with this whole principle because, you know, when your kid something of their breaks because they were negligent it's just really hard to comfort them you're like okay what did you expect or i told you so you know that you know well then next time you know bring the ipod outside from the rain indoor you know you want to my personality tends to want to respond that way so but what i've learned is instead i have to first relate to them at an emotional level and cry with them. Uh, that makes me really sad. Your iPod got lost. So I know that was really important to you. And that was, honey, I'm just so sorry that happened. And just relate. And just kind of pause and relate to them at that level. Then you wait a little bit. Then you can say, well, what can we do so that doesn't happen again? Yeah, and if they're so emotionally distraught right then, then that's not the time to do that. But you see that they're calmed down and and, you know, they're taking a few breaths, then you can go to that place. And sometimes I can pause enough time to do it right in that one setting, but sometimes, like Randy says, I have to wait. I have to bite my tongue and not make any comment about what got lost or what got broken or, you know, whatever, negligence on their part, um, and just wait for another opportunity. So, you know, I'm speaking to the parents right now because, or even spouses, we can easily want to go to the fix or I told you so or blame and when they're expressing emotionally, we need to really guard ourselves from doing that and really get this. You know, I had somebody come up to me last week and said, I really, really want to get this. Because he, he was able to identify it was a struggle in his life. And he really was beginning to see the value. You know, Jesus did this. I want to be like Jesus. So I want to get what Jesus does. So I just wanted to encourage you because he didn't mention any of that. And I could imagine some of you feeling like, okay, so all day long I'm going to say I just cry with people and laugh with them and never tell them, <laughs> you know, okay, we need to grow up, you know. So, okay. Well, I touched on that last week, and I, I reminded us, reflected on it at the beginning, which is the first appropriate response to emotion is emotion. 
there, there very well may need to be additional instruction, uh, comments, fix, as we described there. Uh, yesterday, um, after the board meeting, I went back to uh, my office to uh, complete my sermon. And I had worked uh, much of Tuesday and had two-thirds of this done. And um, I was getting, uh, I was actually making a, a copy of the document because I had some material in there that I was going to lend to somebody else. And lo and behold, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm computer literate, but I missed, I cut all of the section of material that I had created for today and resaved the document, saving the last part of it that I was giving away and thereby losing my six pages. I was distraught. I mean, I sat there for an hour trying to recreate where I started this material. Because I, I, I get a lot of books out. I've, got, I've gotten a few sermons out that I've done in the past. I have all these resources, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit. I pray over it. Uh, I even had done some, some a, a special biblical study on it and had brought that to the material, and it was all gone. There was no way to get it back. I was frozen for an hour. I just couldn't get it to go. Clara and Mariana both uh, extended just, uh, maybe it was David that did, the one of them was, was there. And, and uh, they're one, right? So whichever one did it, they both did. Um, you know, offered to me that e- emotional uh, comfort. But honestly, it was insufficient to the amount of pain I was experiencing. Does that make sense? But, but it's still so... Sometimes people are not ready for too much emotional responding. There, there can be, anger is one of those good ones. You know, somebody can be so angry that they're not ready to receive comfort, which is what they really need, because most anger is a response to hurt. And we're going to talk about that next week. But anyway, all right, meditation. Um. I'd like to conclude, and my notes say this morning, and I typed that last night, so there you go. The brain just doesn't want to work. This afternoon, with another meditation, I would invite you to close your eyes, uh, to imagine this scene from the life of Jesus. Uh, my hope is, is that as we reflect through this, that there will be some emotional connection for you with the life of Jesus and how he comforts and uh, addresses our uh, our lives, uh, and I'm actually going to ask in the middle of it after we've paused a little bit. I'm going to ask you actually to respond and offer words out loud that you might be feeling as I tell the story. So if you're comfortable closing your eyes and being relaxed, uh, nobody snore, please. That would be awkward. Um, Go ahead, as we've done in the past, if you just want to imagine yourself as one of the individuals in the story, uh, that can be helpful. If you just want to be a bystander and sort of watch, that's fine. Uh, but particularly, I'm going to be telling the story of, from the Gospels of, of Jesus' crucifixion between the two criminals and the interaction that occurs there. So if you would, close your eyes. Just picture the crucifixion scene. Jesus is uh, hanging on the cross, struggling to breathe. His flesh is uh, bruised and torn. The the crown of thorns has been smashed upon his head. He is in excruciating pain and can hardly breathe. 
There's a large crowd gathered, of course, the Roman soldiers, the Jewish leaders. Um, Jews from all over the world had gathered for the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, and so there was a very large crowd. Uh, Jesus' mother, Mary, is present, uh, Mary Magdalene, John the Apostle. And crucified on either side of Jesus are two criminals, thieves, I believe we're told. One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed at him. Some Messiah you are. How about you prove it by saving yourself? And while you're at it, why don't you save us too? The other criminal raised his voice to the first saying, Don't you fear God even when you're dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds, but this man hasn't done anything to deserve this. Imagine what what might this second criminal be feeling? Just with your eyes closed, just offer a word. What 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 might this second criminal be feeling? Conviction? Remorse? Unworthiness? Fear, scared. Just just say them out loud. Understanding. Shame. Luke tells us that the second criminal, this one we were just referring to, said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said to him, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, what are some feelings that that second criminal may have now following Jesus' words? Hope. Assuredness. Joy. Love. A little louder, I'm not hearing. Relief. Amazement. Courage. This man was facing death. He was being executed for his crimes. He was going to be dying in moments, hours. And he cries out to Jesus and is that emotional place of all those emotions, fear and anxiety, remorse. And he says, Jesus, would you remember me? And Jesus says, yes, today you will be with me. Jesus responded to this man's cry from his heart by removing his fear of aloneness and death. Might we learn to 
receive from God as well. His words of love and care and forgiveness. Might we learn to give and receive appropriate words that respond to our emotional experiences and needs. Let's pray. Father, there is a a sense in which all of us uh, could in in some way or fashion be nailed to that cross uh, next to Jesus, deserving of death. Um, The hatred, the lying, the the thieving, the deception, um, all that we've done. And yet you have spoken to each of us words of comfort and assurance. And you have offered to us the opportunity to not have to face eternal death and separation from you, but like this criminal, to be with you in heaven. Thank you. Thank you that we can read stories from the Bible and they be more than just information. That they can be opportunities for emotional healing and comfort, encouragement, dealing with fear, anxiety. We welcome you to do that, Lord. Each of us today are face different things. Uh, We may not be on a cross facing death, but we may be facing challenges, ways that we don't really know how it can be fixed or overcome. Maybe it can't. But Lord, you still can address those fears and those emotions, and I welcome you to do that. And Father, as we are comforted, let us become those who comfort others. As we walk through the valley of death and experience your peace and care, Lord, might we be those that are learned to walk alongside others as they walk through their valleys holding their hand, maybe even carrying them. Lord, we need, we are desperately in need of relational health and emotional connection with others. And Lord, we are so broken. We have been so hurt and bruised. We've missed the mark so much. And others have missed the mark in us. But Lord, I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see this 50 people, Lord, become those or emotionally and relationally whole, teleos, complete. Jesus, your prayer was that we would be one together as you and the Father are one. That level of love and comradeship and desire to serve and honor the other. Oh God, let there be a different mark in us as your kids towards one another, Lord, and then towards those in the world. Lord, as as men and women come 
into our lives this week, in the workplace, in the market. And they share emotionally with us because they will and they do because there is light in us and it is shining on them and they're feeling some reason they can talk to you. It's happening every week all over our congregation. People are just sharing stuff. And we have the opportunity to extend love, care, just as Jesus has done for us, we can do for others. Oh, God, help us. It's not easy. We forget. We get caught up in ourselves and how we're hurt. But, Lord, teach us to consider the needs of others above our own, to be imitators of you. As dearly loved children, live a life of love, just as you loved us and laid down your life for us. Let us learn to do that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could have some folks come on up to help pray. Um, Here in our church, we provide an opportunity for you to come and to allow someone in the flesh to extend God's love and care. Um, I believe with all my heart that many of you are facing uh, challenges, difficulties, questions, and uh, it is a good thing to let to be vulnerable and to let someone else know what you're feeling and to let them respond and pray and invite and welcome God's kingdom. It is not good to be alone. We have been taught to be self-reliant. It's a lie. It's a robbery and a thievery. So we would love that opportunity. Those that are here would love to pray with you, talk with you, to give you some comfort. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being with us. Have a great week. And might you live your life on purpose this week. And uh, pay attention to your emotions and the emotions of others. And practice what I'm preaching. Love you all.